Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. He believed the challenge was a jurisdictional one, so we could have called God herself, and the Republicans weren't going to be willing to convict, so... COVID did not get into the nursing homes by people coming from hospitals. COVID got into the nursing homes by staff walking into the nursing home. There's no basis in reality to do this except to punish a state that is doing it better than what his experts have recommended Biden is a lockdowner. His advisors are lockdowners. Lockdowns don't work. Where is the lockdowner today? Joe Biden, I think he spoke just very briefly to say a few words about President's Day. And that was that. But the real news of the day, I think, is probably this. uh, I think we have a coast to coast winter blizzard happening or as Mm -hmm. uh, as uh, William Hazleton would say, a northeastern. So, Hazel Grove. So, here we go. Um, what the hell is happening? There is snow hitting the middle of the country, parts of the country that are not used to getting snow whatsoever. And it's created something that I consider, uh, I don't know how to say it. I would say hilarious, maybe? In, in um, Among other things, the wind turbine, the fields of wind turbines in um, in California, in California, in Texas, have frozen. And so now there are rolling blackouts in Texas as they try to find a way to get electricity to the grid because wind turbines need to spin in order to create electricity and the electricity can't be stored. And so the people in Texas are now screwed, which is no good. And that's terrible because people in Texas are good people, good Americans, but uh, wind turbines it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, and... Uh, there is some crazy video coming out as well of all these cars slipping and sliding all over the place. And oh, did you see the ball lightning video that I sent you where extremely it's on the power cool. lines? Pretty amazing. Yes, that is extremely cool. Lightning it continues to impress me uh, ever and ever again. So I thought uh, you didn't even believe in ball lightning. I thought you were going to be more impressed with that video I sent you of the ball lightning on the power lines. I was blown away. I love lightning. It's the only only uh, astronomical uh, thing that I respect, uh, element that I respect or really believe in. <laughs> Washington Times, um, hold on, wind turbine. I just had the page open. Texas. I'm off my game, Alice, today. Uh, Green energy works for except when you need it most. Dateline, Houston, a rare winter storm knocked out nearly half of the wind partnered. The wind partnered. There we go. <laughs> wind yes. powered? No, I'm sticking with partnered. <laughs> the a rare winter storm knocked out nearly half of the wind partnered generating capacity in Texas this week, as freezing wind and ice storms rendered the state's wind turbines inoperable. The Electric Liability Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, God, I already know too much about this, <laughs> asked the state's residents to limit their electricity use to help lower the stress on <laughs> compromised electrical grid. 
We're experiencing record-breaking electric dam- uh, demand due to the extreme cold temperatures that have gripped Texas. At the same time, uh, we are dealing with higher-than-normal generation outages due to frozen wind turbines and lim- limited natural gas supplies available to generating units. So wait, I have a question, mm-hmm. though. Um, we go to Vermont sometimes. Yes. Uh, and they appear to have a lot of wind turbines in Vermont. Do yeah. they not? Um, now, my records show, I believe it reaches freezing in Vermont, generally. In the warmer sure. days, yes. Um, so what... Do they just like not build the one? Do they build the ones in Texas differently? Like, how come the ones in Vermont can handle freezing temperatures? I don't know if they can. I don't know how much Vermont relies on those wind turbines mm-hmm. or, uh, during inclement weather. In 2019, wind power surpassed coal for the first time in the state's history in Texas, representing 22 percent of Texas's natural uh, na- Texas's electrical needs. Natural gas still accounts for the largest share of the Lone Star State's energy mix, generating 46 percent of its power. Mm-hmm. Um, the Biden killing Keystone Pipeline, yada yada. So there you are. That's where we are so far, uh, as it were. And um, yeah, this is exciting. I like when parts of the country get new weather that they're not used <laughs> to. And actually, up here, it's iced over on the on our little driveway here. Right. I almost took a digger while I was up there. By the way, we have to close the chicken coop door. Right, because you saw the, fox footprints, right? Yes, and remind me, we need to get the quote training collar back on pepper because she is now that's the foxhound she is now jumping over other parts of the fence to roam around town and so we need the training collar to dissuade her Mm -hmm. from doing that um so uh, i was on jerry callahan earlier this morning this is one of those mornings just they just had a crappy sleep last night i'm not i'm not complaining because i hate when people say they're tired i love the jonah goldberg podcast but jonah i understand you're tired just stop complaining about being tired all the time my only complaint about being tired is my already limited vocabulary goes <laughs> goes from 53 words to six. So uh, it, it was on Jerry Callan this morning, and that was fine. But I was spent after that. So then I went on Grace Curley's show on WRKO, and we love Grace. And she's been on the Burn Barrel podcast. She'll come on again. She plugged us, by the way. Let the record show. That's great. And, um, and my cell phone was dying ver- verse, uh, during the segments. They had to drop me twice which is horrifying, embarrassing. And I drove to a parking lot where I would everything would go well and but also even with grace, I didn't none of the words I had were there. It was incredible. I'm sorry. It was no, it's it's my own fault for being a jerk. Sometimes it happens. You know, all I had was um wind partnered uh <laughs> generating capacity. And so I stuck with that during during the uh, segment. But it was uh, the segment was about Cuomo who this is incredible to what we're seeing now with Cuomo, who's been busted now, fudging, cooking the books on COVID cases uh, in nursing homes, COVID, COVID deaths in nursing homes. And you can see the timeline from when he was bragging and selling his own book and selling merchandise and winning the Emmy. And you could tell just like just like um, with Lincoln Project, having John Weaver you mm-hmm. know, pawing at uh, young men and boys was an inconvenient truth. Cuomo's nursing home stats were an inconvenient truth, so they hid the stats. And that gave him the ability to brag and sell his book and be mm-hmm. considered America's governor. And today, man, that guy is a... I can't. So here's another thing I'm missing. I'm missing the word. I don't want to say psychotic. What's the word? A narcissist? No, oh, he's certainly a narcissist. But what's the word that means... It's got psych in it, I think. But somebody who's like got no real human emotion is missing that one thing. Psychopath? No, it's not psychopath. Is psych? It's close to that. Is um like somebody who's who could kill you in cold like a shark? Yeah, blood, and have none of the sensibilities. Damn I feel it's, like it's psychopath. I don't know. You know, psychopath would probably qualify too, but that's not what I mean. I mean, this is this guy is incomplete. Denial. He's not even denial. His truth is just very different than the truth. And he is such a shameless hood. He really is, Cuomo. Mm-hmm. That um What he, does that mean, a hood? Like a gangster. A oh, hood. Okay. You don't know what a hood means? I don't know. My goodness. I wasn't sure if you were trying to call him a white supremacist or what. No. No. <laughs> I didn't, that I, I don't didn't, think he is. I didn't follow the No. A hood is a thug, gangster, criminal. Oh, okay. When you've lived in the streets like I came from, Alice, <laughs> yeah. you have words like hood. Um, so, so here's Cuomo today. 
talking about the nursing home situation, and this guy, the cojones on this guy, as it turns out, him putting seniors, sick COVID positive people into the nursing homes, sure he did it, but it wasn't whatsoever a factor at all. We have 613 nursing homes in the state. 365 received a person from a hospital. Of the 365 that received a person from this March 25th guidance, which was then superseded in May, 98% of those 365 already had COVID in their hot facility. And polygraph right now is <laughs> feverishly going. Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure that's uh, true. I think that's I- almost immediately going to be shot down. COVID did not get into the nursing homes by people coming from hospitals. COVID got into the nursing homes by staff walking into the nursing home. That is one hell of a money shot right there. It wasn't, no. You know, in in, in a year when we're supposed to be eschewing conspiracy theories, here we go. No, it was the staff. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the people. None of the people I forced in there had anything to do with it. Yeah, the it, ones who literally tested positive for COVID and we sent back into the nursing homes. Those ones, those didn't have any. That was not a factor. That's, that couldn't be where the staff got it, by the No, way. that was not a factor. When we didn't even know we had COVID. Mm-hmm. Staff walking into a nursing home, even though they were asymptomatic, because the national experts all told us you could only spread COVID if you had symptoms. And they were wrong. COVID may have been brought into a nursing home because visitors brought it in. There you go. It's you visiting your grandfather. It's you. You did it. You did it. Everybody did it but Andrew Cuomo. He didn't do it. Mm -hmm. The staff did it. The, you know, nieces and nephews of loved ones of, of people in nursing homes, they did it. And didn't know they were contagious because the guidance was you can only be contagious if you have symptoms, if you're sneezing, if you're coughing. That turned out to be wrong. That's how COVID got into the nursing homes. Whew. Might as well go with it. Might yeah, as well. Now, so he says, what, like 300 and something nursing homes receive COVID positive patients? I don't really see how that can be right because the AP was reporting that over 9,000 COVID positive patients were sent back into nursing homes. So... Real, like that's like more than thirty per nursing home, isn't it? Yeah, that's but like, they the COVID had already been there because the staff and family had already had sprinkled it around as if it was uh, uh, you know rock yeah. salt on the driveway. No, it seems odd to me that out of the nine thousand people that Cuomo had sent back into nursing homes, none of them spread it to a single person. That seems like a bit of a stretch to me. Well, he does take some blame, Alice. Apologize. Look, I have said repeatedly. We made a mistake in creating the void. We made a mistake in creating the void. The void in (laughs) uh, people having oxygen in their lungs and people needing oxygen in their lungs. I would say that's the void you created. When we didn't provide information, it allowed press, people, cynics, politicians. That's us. That's us. Uh, That's the Burn Barrel Podcast. That's you listening to it right now. He, he did. He was so busy saving lives that he didn't have enough time to furnish us with the proper information. So people like you listening and us talking poisoned the water mm-hmm. to fill the void. Uh, when you don't correct disinformation, you allow it to continue. And we created the void, not... Because people weren't working hard, Mike, because you know how hard people were working. Uh, and, well... What's my word now? The psychic, psychotic word? Come on, you must know it now. By hearing him, he sounds... He's garden variety this. Not a psychotic... Psych- Not a psychopath. Sociopath. Sociopath, okay. Okay, does that work for you? Sure. Okay. You, you should have prioritized providing more information. Yes. Yes. In retrospect, we should have... Pri- Are you guilty of putting sick people into nursing homes, thus causing the spread and the death? Yes, I'm guilty of not having the right propaganda machine and allowing you to win the narrative. 
But no, no, I'm talking about the dead people in the body bags in the coffins now. Yes, I am indeed responsible for all of that misinformation that I allowed to happen because of you. Okay, Psycho. I am very, very sorry and apologize deeply for allowing you to tell lies about me without correcting them more fully. Yes, and that is on me because I should have done what I could to extinguish your never-ending flamethrower of falsities. But I was saving lives in nursing homes where you and your family and the workers were trying to kill all the people in the nursing homes. I have a book about it. You can buy it right now. Prioritized providing more information. Uh, I get the operational uh, demand. I don't like to second guess my team. Here goes the team. Welcome to Under the Bus team. <laughs> uh, they were all working 24 hours a day. Sure, they effed up. They were exhausted. Yes, absolutely. They did let me down as well. Should they be apologizing? Sure. No doubt about that. They created a void. You know, remember where this was? You're in the middle of hell during this time. But. Or a book tour, depending. Matters. Uh, I was in the middle of a book tour. You were in the middle of the hell. I was selling posters. I was uh, using props like this huge fake mountain made, after, made out of uh, plaster of Paris I had somebody put together for me in paint to show you the mountain that we had overcome. You can see representations of that on the poster I made in which I diss Ron DeSantis because he was spiking. That was awesome because our nursing home cases were going down. We, no excuses. No excuses. No, no excuses. No excuses. It was 100% on me that I left you in a position to not only change the narrative and poison people's minds, but kill everybody. There's no excuses for me not being able to stop you from killing all the old people, which you did. You listening, us talking, and uh, members of the media, and people who are uh, cynical politicians. We should not have created the void. We should have done a better job in prov providing information. We should have done a better job... I love how he's copping to the like most minor misdemeanor he can possibly think of. <laughs> yes, we'd like to all plead guilty uh, to creating the void. <laughs> yeah, it's a conceptual uh, penalty that uh, we're all responsible for because we were trying to save old people from you, which we weren't completely successful at because um, we allowed a void to be created, which create made information. That emboldened, I assume, you to kill more of the people. Why did you kill? Cuomo should ask, just change it around and just say, why did you? I'm only, I'm going to ask the questions now <laughs> to the press, like a prosecutor, and I'm going to um, cross-examine you after you answer them. Knocking down the disinformation. You'd never knock down all these conspiracy theories, the political conspiracy theories, because they generate 10 a day. Conspiracy theories like... Um, for instance, um, the families and staff killed all the people in nursing homes, conspiracy theories like that. But we should have done a better job of providing as much information as we could, uh, as quickly as we could. If you're a reporter right now, you've got to be like saying, should it, is it out of line to ask him if he's effing serious? <laughs> because this is a, this is a, when he was in the dock, Saddam Hussein, when he was lashing out at everybody, made more sense. Right. And I mean, this isn't to call it conspiracy theories when it's like, OK, so months ago, it was just basically Janice Dean at Fox News, whose in-laws died in one of his death trap nursing homes, uh, who was calling him out on this and saying there's a problem here that's being covered up. And at that point, like, I think maybe reasonable people in the middle could think that it was just a conspiracy theory or something. But this is now this is like the AP reporting on this and and saying like there are numbers missing and the state was misleading us. This is the New York Post putting out is saying that they have a recording of his staff saying that they covered up the numbers because they were worried about being prosecuted. And he's going to come out here now and say it's a conspiracy theory. Like talk to your assistant who's saying that you covered things up to avoid prosecution. Is that a conspiracy theory? That's that's your staff saying this, you know, like this isn't at, at what point? I mean, like you say, I think it is a sociopath, psychopath kind of thing that it he's is. doing like he's, he's holding the murder weapon with blood all over him and holding somebody's head in his left well, hand. Right. It's like the me and he's in he's uh, like indignant that you're asking such probing questions. It's like the meme with the guy shooting the person. Do you know what I mean? And then oh, yeah. it's like, why would Russia do this or whatever? Like. Why would you kill all the people in the nursing home? Like, he's just literally, he's, 
I, it's unbelievable to me how divorced from reality he is at this point in time. Like this isn't this isn't crazy news sources reporting on this. This isn't like you know some weird blog that someone put up where they're saying this. This is you know major credible hard news sources are saying he covered up the nursing home numbers. You know so. Him now going like, yes, you know, I'm sorry. I should have provided more information about how perfect I am. I didn't have time to combat the conspiracy theories. Like, that's just absolutely, you know, he took a left turn from reality and just, like, went for it. Like, he's gone. He's off the map now. I think for now, when he does these pressers, they should bring his Emmy with him Mm -hmm. and put it up on the podium. Just plunk it down right in front of him. In case you haven't noticed, this... Right here was not a team effort. Well, he should have an Emmy just for... It should be for acting. Yeah, it, but it, it would be better if he was acting, but he's a psychotic. And so he's not. I mean, this all the stuff he's... He believes that, yes, he has been harmed. He's willing to tolerate your question about it. And we should have done a better job on that. Uh, yes. And no excuses. Uh, I... I accept responsibility for that. Uh, I am in charge. I take responsibility. Uh, We should have provided more information faster. We were too focused on doing... Yes, I take full responsibility for uh, creating the void, (laughs) which is some kind of um, nuanced thing that doesn't really exist. I take... A part responsibility for uh, splitting the cashmere as well. Don't worry if you don't know what that means. It's something that I take full responsibility, part responsibility for, you know, and uh, I take a third of a responsibility for uh, raping the cosmos. Yes, it just is something. Don't worry about it. I've taken, see, now I've taken three responsibilities, three responsibilities, which makes me an admirable human being. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you haven't taken responsibility for killing everybody in the nursing homes, which has nothing to do with my world and my infringe, my uh, infractions. Oh, he, he, my most, my favorite part of Como today was the full in. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I'm sure he was calling uh, Trump an authoritarian, left and right, and a dictator, and that, and all these national people who now have suddenly found themselves uh, very concerned about Como. So, you know, they talk, they ask him a question about what about the legislator grabbing those executive powers, emergency powers back from you, mm-hmm. something that a lot of governors in the Northeast have. Cuomo explains that not only is that something that we won't be doing, but they even suggest it could land you in the clink. Yeah, just going back to uh, the story that we had today about the, the budget negotiations and some lawmakers talking about the threat of subpoena or you know, rescinding your emergency powers. You kind of touched on this earlier, but I'm just curious your response to that. And, do you know, have you spoken to the legislative leaders about about this? Yeah, uh, Dennis, that is, that is a crime. You can't say, I'm a former assistant district attorney, you can't use a subpoena or the threat of an investigation to leverage a person. Uh, that's a crime. It's called abusive process. It's called extortion. Uh, so the uh, question before was, is that the raw politics? No, it's not raw politics. That's criminal. Right. So I get to keep the precious, and <laughs> you don't get to try to take it from me. And Subpoenaing I'm gonna... me is actually illegal. <laughs> For daring to even suggest that you might be able to arrest some of those constitutionally, um, you know, uh, reserved powers from me my god no that in itself even thinking about it is a bit of a crime you know it's certainly much more uh uh, serious and criminal than creating the void (laughs) i just this is interesting to me because so massachusetts is very blue democrat as you know um as is new york but it seems to me that the the sort of old school democrat politicians in new york um, are a little like noisier and putting up a bit more of a fuss than the ones in in Massachusetts are. I don't know. Maybe we just don't have enough of them left here in Massachusetts that are like old school mm. Democrats um, that that don't put up with this type of nonsense. You know? Yeah, I guess I don't know how. I don't know because ours in Massachusetts just go along with everything. There's no, 
Yes. Like, no, we have, well, Colleen Gary, maybe there's a couple of them who are like not, not, like, uh, I mean, maybe there's two. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. right, but they're but all. Cuomo's getting pushback from his Democratic caucus. I mean, his Democratic AG. Um, right, because he's starting to numbers. nudge up to to 50,000 New Yorkers dead. And so there aren't too many degrees of separation between some mm-hmm. of these folks and their constituents or themselves now. Right. So I think now it's it's very it's just unavoidable. But it's could. interesting to me that he he is getting um, he he you know he is getting this pushback politically that they're talking about taking away his emergency powers or subpoenaing him or whatever. I mean that's because I I can't imagine the Democratic Party ever doing that to one of their own in Massachusetts. Basically, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. I want to sidetrack for here for a second, Alice. I just mm-hmm. had an Epiphone. Okay. And by Epiphone, you know what I mean, right? Epiphany. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up here in the studio. Okay. And you can't see it where you are, but you might be able to see it through that top camera when that looks down. Next to the light over here was a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Cowboy hat was signed by... Simon Quarterman. From... Westworld. West, Westworld, right. Mm-hmm. And so it was just sitting on this hook. Right. And I, we're, we don't have any cowboys in the family. Oh, well, this is very <laughs> ironic that he appears right now because he's part of this. <laughs> and so it is now gone. But I used it. I just had it up there. It kind of looked interesting. There's a lot mm-hmm. of little cool things in this room. And it also, you know, it swallows up sound. So it helps to get rid of echoes right. and things like that. And we've got, a, we've got some panels here as well um, that do that. But now it is gone. So I remember it as recently as maybe even yesterday, maybe two days ago. Definitely was here yesterday. Yeah, being here, and it is now gone. Mm -hmm. It has been absconded with. It has been abducted. Mm -hmm. Its uh, health and well-being are unknown. (laughs) I would say its health and well-being are in doubt at this point. (laughs) I would say so, yes. Because anything they have, almost everything they will destroy. Mm -hmm. Especially if you care about it or it has any... Uh, actual cash value or emotional value to right. you, it definitely is on the chopping block of the kids ruining it. So, you know, and it occurred to me when when I was in, my brother and I lived in a place in Beacon Hill in Boston, which is a beautiful part of Boston. It's the old, you know, from 1700s. We had a huge but decrepit apartment. It was mm-hmm. really a bachelor pad with a huge high ceiling. It was not the Brahmin Beacon Hill. It was the Roach Beacon Hill. It was, but it was fun because we were in our late twenties and early thirties. Mm-hmm. Hi, Celebra. Can I make some dinner? Yes, uh, those uh, pizza things are in the freezer that you liked. Those little squares. So it was a decrepit, um, but fun apartment. I mean, this place just used to bleed dirt and silt and and uh, and um, arsenic. And but it had like a cool bay window. Or it had a cool right? window. It was a really cool place to have if you were in your late twenties mm-hmm. or something. But. So, but it was constantly sick. There was lead everywhere, and like I said, arsenic and uh, what's the stuff that's a fire retardant? Asbestos. Asbestos, and there were, it was not. I mean, we when we first moved in, my brother and I, we like got several different types of consumption <laughs> in the first few months until our bodies learned to adapt to it. Oh god! But it was a hellhole. But so anyway, and so it's it's right in the heart of the city. So one day we went off to work. One of the doors was so t- hard to open and close because the place was a hellhole that we just used to leave it unlocked. It was a, 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 a rear door, but but you really have to push hard to get the thing open. Anyway. Okay. So we go to work one day, my brother and I, whatever, mm-hmm. and we came back and something was up. The place, some stuff was, uh, there were drawers open. There was a, we had, my brother had a high dollar at that point, uh, very high dollar um, uh, digital camera, mm-hmm. which was like the size of a toaster back then, but it was really high quality. You could, you could take, take like twelve photos. Oh wow! And hot pockets or bagel bites? The bagel bites. Okay. Those mm-hmm. yeah. Or you can have whatever you want. Those. We have hot pockets. Oh, uh, there's a hot pocket left. I oh, had one. I might eat it. Uh, it's funny. Well, oh uh, well. Good luck. But um. Uh yeah, I bought actually this afternoon when I was uh, t- waiting to do my hit with Grace. I bought a big bag of um, pistachios, which you'll enjoy because they're in the car because you're going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got pistachio poisoning. I just like felt <laughs> sick after a while. Of eating. Okay, so there's the thing. So we go back to the house, 
and the place and I go up to my bedroom okay. and some my bed had been moved the, the mattress mm-hmm. and stuff is knocked over and they had taken part of this camera they took the battery from the camera but not the, no they took the camera but left all the batteries that were that were huge uh-huh. chunky things so it was obvious that somebody had come in or a couple people had come in probably strung out mm-hmm. and had tried to rip off whatever they could that to, might be worth money to sell for drugs that, right and but they were they were clumsy and in a rush because like they were they probably looking for cash under the mattress and this and that and so like they stole part of the camera but not the other part and like this was there were six of these cameras in the world at the time and they need the other part or else it doesn't work <laughs> so that was useless for everybody and like stuff was missing and an off kilter and they took a few other things as well mm-hmm. and and it was an, you know you feel a little violated when that happens you know yeah. when, especially if there's stuff that you like and that camera actually was bringing us was sparking joy Alice mm-hmm. uh, to us and so that sucked that that was gone and they got some other things so but anyway my feeling is this is that that feeling and if you have if you're a single person right there or married but don't have kids what it's like is that hat being gone etc it's like being rolled every day ransacked <laughs> every day by a somebody who's jonesing for the next fix on drugs and something's destroyed knocked over gone forever Mm-hmm. Maybe they take it and throw mm-hmm. it into the recycling or trash or throw it in the street or burn it or whatever they think or sell it. To, who the hell knows? But it is you will be victimized every single day. I like to if- think of it as, um, you know, children are a way of healing you from the, the things you love from the toxic attachment to material things <laughs> that's one way to put it Alice. the toxic attachment to my hat now is healed because now i have now the children have successfully created a void if you were in the wall if and- you were trying to maintain your personal happiness by having stuff that makes you happy around you your kids will uh, yes. get rid of that for you yes they somehow from the you boston will- herald I, found, I had a packet i had a little a little drawer, a little envelope that had news stories about my father in the 1960s getting married. And somehow the kids found that and knows the dream is over. Hey now, hey now. Don't dream it's over. It's over. That's fine. James, how can I help you? Can I make a hot pocket? Yes. Okay. Although mommy wanted it. That's okay. Make whatever you want. I'm fine. There you go. Now it's another bit, tiny little dream. Of, <laughs> a, a woman just wants a hot pocket before she goes okay. to a warehouse. That's okay. Where you're required to do a stretching and exercise routine before moving boxes around. It's okay. I'm no. It's in a way. I do think that it's good. I am a little surprised they asked. No, but I. I mean, I do like. I really think that about like the kids ruining all your stuff and taking everything away from you. Is like you have to find new more wholesome ways to have joy in your life that aren't dependent on material things right okay so i have to find (laughs) things to love that they can't get at because there is no physicality to them so Mm -hmm. they're although i am sure that some of these kids if i even just conjure up a thought that i find precious (laughs) will crawl into my cerebrum and go destroy it my thought hat will be stolen from me, as my cowboy hat was. And I don't know. I'm not even a cowboy guy. Have- I don't like the West World. I don't wear cowboy hats. My huge, fat melon never fit in that cowboy mm-hmm. hat. But it just had, did a little bit of j- tiny roll it had in this room, mm-hmm. and it worked just fine. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I- not going to happen. I think it's a positive of having kids. But be warned that it will happen if you do have kids. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah, you'll learn not to care about anything anymore. And here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Now we're at it, Alice. I don't like Claudia Conway being on American Idol. I don't like it at all. I don't think she sounds good. She doesn't. Just because of your mom. This is ridiculous. This is no reason to have her. She's a kid with issues. 
get rid of, stop, leave her alone. George Conway's a sick bastard. He needs to stop it. Kellyanne needs to stop it with they need put to, this kid out there. American Idol doesn't was. care about this kid. They know that she sucks. They're just going to keep her for a few shows and toss right. her. It's interesting because Luke Bryan was like the most honest person there. He was the judge yeah. um, who said basically like, I just... I like the story, but like I don't think your voice is there yet. Like musically, I don't. It's not. Think. She sounds like a sixteen-year-old kid trying to sound like a professional singer. Right, and I, I'm shocked. I like, like, just you're right. It's exploitative. Like, it's I don't know who's making the decisions in that family right now, but between Kellyanne and George, like I thought the reason they were stepping back from all their. Um, like political flacking and everything was so that they could all like go get therapy as a family or whatever they need to do to work out their issues because there's a lot going on there and like they've been uh dealing with it in public in a very like unhealthy way and I don't I I thought I mean I just I thought they were going to take a step back from the public so taking their 16 year old daughter who clearly is addicted to like fame and attention uh, and putting her out there on American Idol. And I mean, like, I can't really blame ABC because it's going to get them more viewers. I mean, like, you and I could not be less interested in American Idol and watching American Idol. But now, like, this is something that we're talking about and we watched this clip of it and we're, like, here thinking about it now and potentially might go tune in to see the train wreck of what's going on, which is this is why ABC's doing it because they know that this will get viewers. Uh, it seems so transparent to me that she was not uh, moved onto the show for talent, but because um, it's a it it's for publicity, clearly. And like I I don't know why they're doing this to her. I don't know why. Like uh, I I'm surprised their therapist told them this was a good idea. If they did, I I just. It's, it seems shocking to me that, A, they would take their daughter to go try out for American Idol, and, B, that they're, you know, pushing her to go be on the show and everything. I mean, she's clearly had voice coaching and all this stuff. She's trained up as much as can be, but she's not, she's, she's not, like, a voice talent. Right, but isn't that what we're doing here in American Idol? Either you're the voice talent or you're the heel, like, uh, she bangs, she bangs. Who was that dude in the first season or whatever? I mean, yeah, I don't know, but like Martin, you. Me... What was his name? You remember his name? No, I don't remember. It was barely seventeen years ago. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't know, but I mean, like Kelly Clarkson can sing. She's got a voice, you know. And I think they're probably overrun in those auditions. They're probably awash with people with fantastic voices. Well, I understand, but, but... she's not one of them. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so clearly they're not picking her because they ran out of people with good voices who tried out out of the bajillions of people who tried out for American Idol, right? Like, I'm sure they had thousands of people who are better singers than her that they could have put on the show. All right, and uh, right, all right, Anderson. Mm. Uh, oh, Why am I Anderson? Oh, my right leg. I'm sorry about that. Oh, here we go. Here's Cyril. Have you seen a um, cowboy hat have recently? Have you seen a cowboy hat? How about a uh, digital camera circle circa, circa 2004? Have you seen the cowboy hat? Where did it go? Where did the cowboy hat go? Oh, maybe he's getting it. He's thinking about getting it. We'll so Alice, the principal of Eastside Community School in New York, sent white parents this tool for action, which tells them they must become <laughs> white traitors. Oh, my goodness. The cowboy hat is here. Cyril Shattuck. Good man. Good girl, Sally, for the pizza pockets. Oh, look at how wonderful our kids are, and you complain Aww, about them, Alice. What perfect children. You complain about them. <laughs> I can't believe you. you As need you to, throw the you cowboy hat to, on I the floor. Are you going to pick that up? I will. I can't get to it right now. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that you are doing So uh, fill us in, please, on the principal of Eastside Community School in New York where white parents were. <laughs> Jesus, they separated the parents? Which parents are white? No, it's it's all for white people, but you have to decide which white identity you are. It's okay. a tool for you to determine where you fall on the like white identity spectrum. Oh, so this is self-help. Good. I could use this right. tool. Go so ahead. So I'm going to read you the categories and you figure out which one you are, okay? Okay. So there's a, this is the uh, blurb. There's a regime of whiteness. This is a public school in New York, by the way. There's a regime of whiteness and there are action-oriented white identities. 
People who identify with whiteness are one of these. So, and you you okay. have to be one of these eight. Okay, and if you're one of these eight, you're part of the regime of whiteness. Mm-hmm. It's okay. about, and it says, it's about time we build an ethnography of whiteness since white people have been the ones writing about and governing others. I was just going to say that, that we needed an <laughs> ethnography right now. There's nothing in 2021 okay. needs more than an ethnography. Okay. So one, you could be a white supremacist. Okay. That's defined by clearly marked white society that preserves names and values white superiority. Is that... Are you that one? I don't know. Am I? I don't think. Do you I've... preserve name and value white superiority? Uh, no, I okay. am. I do not. Okay. I have no. Uh, no, and I okay. actually am not superior myself <laughs> to in most any way, people. except if a lot of debt makes you superior. Okay. Um. So then, two, you might be uh in the category of white voyeurism. So I just want to ask you. I don't get to not be in one, right? No, you have to be one of these. Okay, I am one of those. Okay, okay. white voyeurism. White voyeurism. This is, I have been a party to, in 1993, <laughs> um, a famous situation, I which I talked about, where okay. all of us who were 21 or whatever. We're trying to be peeping Toms. Well, I mean, Alice, we were in our own apartment. Co-eds were across the way uh-huh. in their apartment, and the call went out to turn off the lights because there was something happening over there to which case one of our listeners and a friend of ours mm-hmm. who's in the shady world of finance uh dove 18 feet across the room and hit the lights and i didn't look because i wouldn't right I know and i condemned would. all the other people right. for looking uh-huh. but the other guys uh, watched the women in some okay. so i think this white voyeurism is sort of a different thing it doesn't oh, have okay. to do with it's literally the, being a voyeur it's not the voyeurism yeah. that i strongly condemn okay. and condemn okay. even in the early 90s not that type okay no. okay so this type is when you wouldn't challenge a white supremacist and desire non-whiteness because it's interesting or pleasurable Seeks to control the consumption and appropriation. Oh, wait a second. Okay, so so this is you're attracted to uh, Cardi B, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. In a uh, no, thank you. uh, Would you like one else? Um, no, that's okay. Why don't you have it? I don't like like to eat on camera. What eat on camera? She doesn't. (laughs) Mommy doesn't know how to be Sally. So hand mommy one. Just you can turn (laughs) your camera for a second, and I'll talk about whiteness for a moment. No, um, that's okay. See, she left now. So, yes, yeah, so that's when you're, like, attracted to Cardi B, but as a as a voyeur. Like, you like consuming black culture or watching it because it's, like, exotic and interesting. But you don't actually, like, you consume black culture without the burden of blackness. It's- oh, I see. So you just get to go sample the cool stuff. Yeah. But not have lived the life of yeah. oppression, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I had, uh, my brother bought the Michael Jackson album. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you're a little bit that. I'm not sure. Thank you. Okay, so the next possibility, these are in order Thank from you. like worst person to best person, I guess. So, okay. So the next category is um, white. By the way, where am I supposed to stop a white supremacist? You're supposed to challenge white supremacists. Right. Where do they hang out exactly? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like the Dollar Tree? <laughs> I don't know. Um, look, he's putting the hat all the way this back. This is Tom. impressive. I'm going to take a picture of this. There's no way this is going to work in time because I need it to work in time. I'm going to take a picture Good of this. Good job, Cyril. Go ahead, Cyril. Hold on. Hold on, Cyril. Don't drop that. There you go. He's got it. Good boy. Oops. Mommy mommy disparaged you when you guys weren't here. Sally, that's very nice. Aw. And look at them what all helping kids. now. They're what nice so kids. Nice. Such nice people. What's nice wow. kids? Look at them. Talk about privilege. The hot pocket privilege by these kids is uh, a little over the top. I'm scared he's going to fall off that. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. So the next category, if you're not a white voyeur, then you might be uh, in the category of um, white privilege, which is you may critique supremacy, but you have a deep investment in questions of fairness and equality under the normalization of whiteness and white rule. And your sworn goal is diversity in scare quotes. Okay. I don't think this one. My goal is to um, lose weight, make it to tomorrow. You don't have a sworn goal. Not have a Dodge Caravan that's burnt orange and full of dents. <laughs> You know, not have to deal with the de-letting of our house or two years mm-hmm. ago, the invasion from rats. So um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Those are my my goals, mostly. Mm-hmm. So you're, 
Um, I don't know. Is that the same thing as having a deep investment in the normalization of whiteness and the white rule? Jeez, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, I think it seems like you have a lot of investment in the normalization of whiteness. I don't know. Um, okay, so but if you're not, that is that what it, when when I get these odd eight hundred numbers calling me now eleven times a day, asking me to hold please and set up payment arrangements? Is that what's happening there? Uh, I don't know. Maybe is your sworn goal diversity? <laughs> My sworn goal is not diversity. I don't care. You know, so, I don't. Okay, so the next category is a white benefit. You're sympathetic to a set of issues, but only privately. And you won't speak or act in solidarity publicly because you are benefiting through whiteness in public. And some people of color are in this category as well. Um, so you're benefiting from whiteness. So. Even though you're sympathetic to social justice, you're not speaking up. This is like, this category in particular seems incredibly delusional to me because I think, if anything, I don't think there are a lot of people that are sympathetic to these like wacky social justice critical race theory things that are like hiding it. I think, if anything, it's the opposite. There are people that claim to be sympathetic to it that deep down like think it's complete BS. Right. If well, anything, it's like totally the reverse of what they think. There's not a bunch of people out here who are like, yeah, you know, I totally agree with like the woke mob, but I just am not saying anything because it's like way easier to be in line with the woke mob. Like you're more likely to have people go after you and benefit. You're more likely to benefit from being a part of the woke mob than not. Right. Uh, at this in this state, at this point yeah. in time. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't think so. I don't know how to do that because. I mean, it, oh, with these people, race is like oxygen. They, I mean, I don't, I don't know, and I, I don't know. I am trying to have fun and have a substantive uh, podcast produced and created every day, talking mm -hmm. about a number of issues and uh, life experiences and life itself. You know, right. And um, and trying to set our four kids on somewhat of a path to have fulfilling little lives and enjoy my time with my uh, pretty and sweet wife and trying to refrain myself from... Um, Eating pasta and clam sauce? Restrain myself, yes, unsuccessfully, often. And uh, so I don't know exactly how many of these guardrails I'm hitting. I assume that enough <laughs> is bad news. Because yeah, those, so, I assume, are whiteness. Are, uh, probably, I don't yes, know. But, are, um, yeah, so if you ever advance beyond your, sorry, state where you don't even really understand these categories, you might get to the point where you're in the fifth category, which is white confessional. Oh, Jesus. That's when you have some exposure to whiteness, but as a way of being accountable to people of color after, and you seek validation from people of color. So you, like, realize it's bad that you're white, but you're trying to, like, apologize for it and seek validation for it. Is that what happened when I put changed my avatar to just a black avatar last summer and the Black Lives Matter yard signs that everybody has? Probably. Those yeah. people are confessional. But then you're supposed to advance beyond that into being white critical, which means that you take on board critiques of whiteness and invest in exposing and marking the white regime. Take on what critiques of whiteness? Take on board critiques of okay. whiteness. Okay. And you invest in exposing and marking the white regime. You refuse to the be complicit regime. with the regime. Can you imagine what a racist jerk this a-hole is? Whoever wrote <laughs> this? Can you, you imagine how obsessed Barner with Hesse color of, of the pigmentation this person is? This is when white, you're at a stage. White, less white, more white, less white, 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 black, white, black, black, white, black, brown, white, brown. Like what a sick <laughs> F that you'd have to be to be walking around. Thinking about that, wait a second, mm, there's yeah. this person's a complete identifier. Mm -hmm. Yep, black, there's this person's so, complete identifier, brown, white, up. Oh. That's when you're at a stage of whiteness speaking back to whiteness. So, and does that mean I'm out of trouble? <laughs> Not yet, because you have to advance now to stage seven, which is being a white traitor, which is when you actively refuse complicity, name what's going on, and your intention is to subvert white authority and tell the truth at whatever cost. 
and you need to dismantle institutions. Do something very that's the statute down. Great institutions, Jesus. But then there's one more stage beyond that, which is where we all need to aspire to be, because I think um, wherever we are, somewhere in the white benefit land or something, um, we need to be aspiring to be white abolitionists. Which is the last are we getting rid of the whites? Is that what that means? Yes. So. We are uh, changing institutions, dismantling whiteness, and not allowing whiteness to reassert itself. We need to abolish whiteness, honey. So we should all aspire to be white abolitionists. There's nothing insane and weirdly genocidal and strange about that type of language. That's totally fine and normal and good. The public schools have told me so. So, um, you know, I welcome it. I think that the public schools are doing great. It would be great if this kind of... (laughs) construct that you were you've been discussing here which is of course just just insane it's just it, it's candy land it's fine it would be great if it wasn't seriously woven through everything that's happening right now mm-hmm. including vaccine uh, distribution vaccine distribution and every every political policy uh is the that, only one it's th- not woven through is reopening schools because that would mean that they would have to open schools and that's not happening right. so that's gone <laughs> but there's but there, there are kids in the in um marginalized neighborhoods who could suffer from that mostly they're suffering from not having them open right now but that's also Okay, I don't know if that's. Yeah. I don't know Your what it is. Your school isn't open, but you have this nice PowerPoint on the eight white identities. Uh, so <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, the thing is that without some of these, like the white confessional one, number five, <laughs> these morons would never be uh, allowed in the front door. Right. You know, without stupid at. I'm sorry, stupid moronic, guilt-ridden whites in suburbs. Mm-hmm. Nobody would countenance this idiocy. This is stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb. I mean, it's... It... <sighs> it's really, like, it's just these things are put together by nuts people. And, like, I don't know why we give them the time of day. Well, they because... run the country right now. <laughs> so they run the schools right now. And in the name of equity, and so all of the schools and whites and blacks and brown people now all have to suffer badly. And we have to watch the suicide rates go through the roof from all communities. And that's good because mm-hmm. this guy gets to make a chart and it's, it's numbered and maybe he'll win some a book prize or something. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. You know, this is, this is so pathetic. It's so <laughs> pathetic. God, these people. These I mean, people. Although it is interesting stuff? as well. I really do. It would be interesting to see if this equity stuff goes full tilt. Mm-hmm. What exactly do we do about the NBA? I don't know that Asians are represented in an equitable, equitable manner in the NBA. Mm. If you look at the population of this country, you know, and that's what it has to be. Remember, the the black people are are, are you know are twenty percent of the population, um, but make up thirty something percent of the unarmed police killings. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's not equitable. That's obviously not acceptable. Well, I think so. I'm just sort of guessing here because I haven't uh, researched what the story is about this. But my guess is based on what I see my hyper woke friends say, the types of things they say, I think they would argue that um, that the NBA and, you know, the NFL, too, that they're like exploiting black bodies and black physicality for entertainment the same way that you know we exploit blackness in the entertainment industry well you know? so in so, the, in so the... there's not team owners and team managers aren't black the people making but they don't say real, owner anymore Alice. the people oh, so team managers or but, whatever i don't know but so the people making real 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 money in the nba aren't the black people, they're exploiting black bodies in order to make money off. Well, I think we should exploit all bodies then. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they would say that, you know, like there should be more like black black owned uh, professional sports teams and like more black coaches. And like there's always like the complaint that like not enough quarterbacks in the NFL are black. Mm hmm. You know, things like that, that like the highest. I think those paid- days are pretty much over. I mean, I would think that they're over. But, but I mean, it's, it's true. Like the highest profile quarterbacks in the NFL are uh, more white than the rest of the NFL. Isn't Patrick Mahomes black? 
Um, yes. Isn't the guy from the Seattle Seahawks black? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and RG3 was like a few years ago. Bob sure. From the third, but Kaepernick, like, is he still playing? I never hear. Um, um, so, but, but proportionally compared to like the rest of the team, the quarterbacks tend to be whiter, right? Yeah. And so they would say that that's you like know what, an these, example yeah. of systemic racism. Right. That, right. Like, that, like <laughs> would you argue that, I mean- in the South, in in the antebellum South, that it was great because there was like so much employment of black people. Like that's how they see the NBA being, you know. Right, like, and that would of that course be a dumb way to see that it. It's but that's exploiting fine. Exploiting black labor for the benefit of like white owners and team managers and fans. The, the dirt, you know, the, having these college-educated elitist know-it-alls come mm-hmm. up with these Candyland fairy tale uh, constructs, right, is one thing, and that's fine. The real crime, of course, is that you're brainwashing kids to believe that they've got no choice or that it's absolutely acceptable to be to go through life just simply as a victim. And this isn't a mm-hmm. a black this is a white kids, black kids. Everybody now is given reasons and they have these reasons handed to them why they can underachieve and be miserable and mm-hmm. it's never your fault. It's never your fault. You're handed these excuses. Well, you can be terrible because you're um, you're freaking cis pan, whatever now. Or if you're just simply a woman now, you can be, or whatever. By some identity, you're not. You have your excuse, and you know white people have the same. There's no excuses for this and that, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something to be said for having the audacity to believe you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And the people who have that audacity many times go out and do anything. Right, you know, like you know, skinny beanpole kids uh, who are raised without a father, who grow up half in Hawaii and half in the Midwest, go to a crappy mm-hmm. college, matriculate to Harvard eventually. Uh, no, sorry, to Columbia, and then to Harvard Law School, and then no one, somebody convinced Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, which was at some points in the last twenty years a tough middle name to have. Mm-hmm. Somebody convinced him. That he could do whatever the hell he want wanted, right? And he believed it. So, rather than have this intricate scope of the white, eight white identities and isn't that uh, you know instilling a little bit of audacity and giving kids the basic tools to believe that you can go out and do whatever you want to in the world might be a little healthier. And I get something for every, and, and I, by the way, and I, I believe this, the stuff we just read is written by some over-credentialed freak somewhere, and that's fine. <laughs> but I, and I believe that, that thankfully in most communities that people are telling their kids the right things. That it doesn't matter. It certainly, I mean, the, the, it should be, my advice is this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I you can tell that I teach my kids well because you taught them how to steal hats. I taught them how to return hats. <laughs> My advice is this: is that it is life is a tough, uh, it, it it's a tough journey. It's mm-hmm. going to have challenges. Some of them hurt. Uh, you should be as pleasant as possible. Do what you say you're going to do. Try to outwork everybody else, and remember that there's life isn't fair. So your job is to once it unfairs you, to keep on trudging. And the people who give up or find excuses, a lot of them ready-made excuses that they learned in college, they will start to fall away. Mm-hmm. And you- I agree. You know, some people have kids and feel set upon by the fact that their kids ruin some of their uh, stuff and feel that they can't go on with their life because they're so consumed by anger and regret over lost material possessions. And, you know, some of us think that I think what I'm hearing approach, right now, Alice, is your approach. white confessional. <laughs> and I appreciate you finally copping to this idea that, uh, indeed, you grew up in a rich town with all sorts of benefits. Did you or did you not, at one time, uh, possess a Mercedes-Benz? I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My God, mm-hmm. I think you're uh, you're certainly number one. You're certainly white supremacist. <laughs> I see some white voyeurism very, there. It was a very and, old Mercedes. Well, oh my! Oh, of the gentry, one of the good ones. It sounded like a a, a uh, German uh, Panzer. Yeah, my goodness. You know what? Me and uh, my guy right here, whoever created this graph, um, um, can consider you to be uh, at least white benefit. Possibly white critical, certainly 
white supremacist, Alice, and I'm not willing to let that go. Anything else on the docket before you get over to your privilege of working in a warehouse so that we can keep up payments on our burnt orange dented minivan? I like working in the warehouse. It's fun. It's relaxing. That seems to me... What number is that? Mm-hmm. You're playing the part. That's what that is. You are working in the warehouse, but what you're really doing is taking on board critiques of whiteness and investing in... <laughs> no, 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 wait. You actively refuse complicity. No, 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 you don't do that. You're sympathetic to a set of issues, but only... You're essentially... You're... Um, what's that called when you steal somebody's experience? Stolen you're appropriating oh, the experience of laborers who are mm-hmm. many times marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um... Because you're um, a white voyeur, mm-hmm. and so you're enjoying that because you grew up with a dated classic Mercedes, and box by box, you were trying to snuff out your guilt. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh-huh. Nailed it. Yeah, maybe. Um, so which stage of whiteness is uh, Trump's lawyer who was stealing coasters from the Senate chamber. That is the this Tom is Shattuck stage of whiteness. I absolutely love that video. I agree with what he did. <laughs> I would rip that place off like no other. I endorse what he did completely. Mm-hmm. I am a st- In fact, you have done it. Yes, I am a petty thief. And um, I am all for that, of course. And uh, you know what? I, my dad used to go to the White House as a... As a um, advocate, special interest advocate for a small business, mm-hmm. and uh, do you have any White House coasters? We have ashtrays. We have my dad. I'm sure <laughs> took anything that wasn't nailed to the wall. He he took. We have all sorts of stuff from the White House. And my mother worked on Air Force One, and I had stuff from her too. I come from a kleptocratic family, Alice. <laughs> We're oh in the lineage, so oh I am for that. Steal away. You know, it's not hard to rationalize. We are the taxpayers. You know, we are good tax money paid for that stuff. I didn't. I do not endorse. So now our tax money is going to pay for more coasters. You don't think several stages into it, Alice. You just enjoy <laughs> okay. and revel in the initial coaster. Mm-hmm. Anything else, or shall I play the uh, closing music now that you're? Um, did you want to get to Kamala Harris from yesterday? Uh, no? I didn't grab you're that. We can do her? it later. She's just—it's a clueless. Uh oh. Hi. Cowboy Hat Boy is back. What's up? Yeah, thank you for putting that back. That's really nice. Oh, this has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. Um, you can see updates on our cowboy hats and other possessions on our Twitter account. That's Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter. You can find us also Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Uh, you can check out uh, Tom's Instagram, Tom W. Shattuck on Instagram. You can send us an email if you have concerns about our parenting. We will take that into account. <laughs> that is it goes back Burn, Barrel Barrel oh! Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also check out our YouTube channel, Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel on YouTube. Subscribe there or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. You can leave comments. You can like the videos. You can um, write a review. Any of that good stuff. All right. You good? I'm all set. I've said all my things. See you later. The actual experience exceeds all expectations. And there's something that's hard to put in words. All these things that may seem big and impossible are not. It gives people that type of energy, that type of power. We're dealing with this existential threat to the planet. When I think of climate change, I think of, and the answers to it, I think of jobs. Wind turbine technicians, they could be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. Millions of new jobs in clean energy. There's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs. Millions of good paying union jobs. Good paying union jobs. New jobs that pay better, that are cleaner. Those workers will be able to transition into jobs where they still invest and live in their own communities. Geothermal heat, whether it, whatever it's going to be, 
those are jobs. And it means opportunities that we're going to lay out in this executive order that grow new jobs. The same worker who works in South Carolina today putting together a BMW can put together a car, but it's electric. Solar power technician. The actual experience exceeds all expectations. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.